0: I've had
1: dogs. Learn how to hide your you have? Fly a Doggy and chow. And oh, I used to love, love Doggy Chow. <laughs> I used to love Doggy Chow, too. Had it all. Hi, bitches. It's me, Brett Collins. Oh, I kind of hate saying my name. It's just, like, saying my name is so stupid. Like, my my name is literally just one syllable. Sometimes when I go to Starbucks and they ask for my name and I'm just like, Brett, it kind of just sounds like I'm like, bleh. And they're like, what? And then they get it wrong. And they say my name is, like, Bread or Brent or Brad or, like, Brit or Brat. Brat happens a lot. Anyways whatever. All right, it's another episode of Girl Blogger. Um, I don't know. I, honestly, everything seems kind of weak after the Barbie movie. I mean, will anything ever live up to that hype? I don't think so. At least not to me, and I feel like I clearly stated that while I was recapping the film, and if I didn't clearly state it, I am now because, yeah, I really don't think anything's ever going to be that good. And you know what's really never going to be that good? And just like that, or anything sex in the city related for that matter, because it's a fucking nightmare, which I will get into later in this podcast episode. I just ugh, I feel like I've talked so much about it. I can't just have this be and an then just like that Sex in the City podcast. I've gotta talk about other things, even though this show has traumatized me and warped my mind so much that it consumes a lot of my thoughts and I think about it a lot which is why I want to talk about it a lot but and it's weird because on one hand I like can't even articulate the way I feel about it yeah obviously I'm talking about it non-stop so just a weir- very weird inner conflict so whatever talk about that in a little in a few minutes but for now focus on some bad news, sadly. I mean, it's just dark. It's been a dark week and, or longer than a week, kind of. I don't even know. I feel like so many people died in the past week, at least three, two of which were on the same day. It's just really sad and devastating. So first of all, Sinead O'Connor died, which we don't know the true cause of death yet, but it seems like it's probably suicide, but that's not official, so don't, quote me on that but seems as though that's where things are going especially sad because apparently her son committed suicide about a year ago and he was only 17 which is just really fucking dark and awful obviously Sinead O'Connor is it Sinead with like an sh sound or is it just Sinead I have no idea I'm probably pronouncing it wrong either way but she was the most famous most famously known for nothing compares to you her hit banger that came out when I was just a baby but um yeah I mean that song was a cultural reset I don't think anyone dislikes it it's undoubtedly an amazing ballad and something that will live on and be beautiful forever I mean play it right now if you haven't already since her death I remember listening to that song and being like so transfixed with just like how pretty she was in it and like the minimalist style of the video it's literally just like her face wearing like a black turtleneck and a black background and I think there's some shots of her like walking around you know looking uh, kind of stoic but yeah beautiful song beautiful video I remember I used to like sing along to it when I was alone in my house and I would fantasize that like there would be some sort of like talent show or some showcase of me singing that for some reason, which is painful to think about. I'm so happy that that never occurred because I can't sing and like, no. But do you ever have those, like do you ever look back and reflect on things that you fantasized about as a child that you were like, oh, as a kid you were like, I want this to happen. I'm willing for this to happen. This would be such an amazing moment and now you look back on those dreams and you're like, "Ugh, thank fucking God that didn't happen because it would have traumatized me for life. Like, how embarrassing. Oh, so R.I.P. Queen, Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, love that song. Love her. Oh, also another thing that was very uh, controversial but also kind of misconstrued about her was when she ripped up that photo of the Pope when she performed on SNL. Granted, wrong crowd, wrong place to be doing that, but it was a strong message and for a good reason. She was trying to bring uh, focus or light and attention to the child abuse that was happening in the Catholic Church, which is still happening and it's horrible. And if she had a huge, because back then there was no social media. There was no, you know, she couldn't have done that on, like, a talk show or something. So where else was she going to get the chance to make that statement other than where she did? And honestly, kind of a girl boss for that ahead of her time for sure. And, yeah, kind of sad that I feel like that was really hindered her career a lot because that was just way too taboo back then. And I remember she got booed off the stage at a different place after that. But yeah, she was just an activist trying to make people aware of the darkness that was going on in something that was so ignored at the time. Thankfully, it's had more attention now, but it's still definitely a problem. So yeah, I definitely wanted to touch on that. Girl Bosch Sinead. I, I, sorry, every time I say her name, I feel like I'm. it's like somebody trying to say my name at Starbucks or me trying to say my own name at Starbucks. Oh, okay, moving on to the next celebrity death. This was also very depressing. Pee Wee Herman, a.k.a. Paul Rubens, well, actually, it should be Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman, passed away. Apparently, he had a battle with cancer that wasn't very public, passed away earlier this week, and, yeah, just so sad. I have so many amazing memories of peewee and like i don't it was his peewee's playhouse like i couldn't tell you one episode of that show or what happened or what was going on absolutely no idea but i think i saw every single episode and i remember my, my dad just thought it was hilarious and just the m- most bizarre thing ever i think he had like a giant tinfoil ball or something does anyone remember that he would like add a piece of tinfoil to it or something weird i mean the whole show was weird there was the talking couch which i always thought was pretty major i wanted one and then there was like that kind of like drag queen like fortune teller person was it jambi that would say like mecca Leka hi mecca hiney ho and what were they doing when they did that like what was happening in that whole show it was just like wacky nonsense that kids loved and i did love it I mean such a genius character he really committed and for anyone that doesn't know him paul rubens and cassandra peterson aka elvira were actually they did groundlings improv together and yeah kind of like came up together and both known for their iconic characters that they're kind of even they're like some of the few characters that they're credited as their character in the film. Like, I believe in Pee-wee's Big Adventure and in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. I know in the opening credits they're credited as their character, and I think in the ending credits they are as well. But, uh yeah, just fascinating and love that they were friends and that they, you know, those characters became so iconic at this, around the same time. Uh Also, funny controversy... <laughs> controversy controversial uh, incident with Paul Rubens that I feel like is a little bit misunderstood is his career also went on a bit of a decline after he was caught. I don't really know how he was caught doing this, but masturbating in an adult theater. And for anyone that isn't familiar with that or isn't totally familiar with the story, a lot of people uh, misconstrue it or wrongfully tell what happened and that he was masturbating in a normal movie theater but no it was an adult theater and so I don't even know if it was a theater it might have just been in one of those like adult stores where there's like private little viewing stations I think you're not supposed to masturbate in those but he did but like that's really not that wild not that crazy and he got arrested for it and it was like huge national news and everyone just thought he was this big pervert and, but I mean, that's really not that crazy. He just, like, got kind of a bad rap from that and never fully bounced back. So, yeah, justice for Paul Rubens on that. Oh, so sad that he died. I mean, oh, also another fun fact that isn't totally about him, but his film, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, was directed by Tim Burton, and it was actually Tim Burton's first live-action feature film. Just a little fun fact there. Yeah, okay, next celebrity death. Angus Cloud died the same day as Paul Rubens, like, just so sad. I believe he was, like, 25 or 26 or something. Definitely seems like suicide as well, but I don't think that has been confirmed as of now with me recording this. But just way too young, so sad. His dad had reportedly died about a week ago or a little over a week ago, and he was really struggling with that. And now all these clips are coming out of him... Uh taught doing interviews and he just seems so depressed like definitely seems like a kid that was just going through it so i mean not that anyone could have predicted that this would happen but yeah if you need help you gotta reach out for help and don't know him don't know if he did but it's just really sad to think that he is already no longer with us and could have just had so much life ahead of him and so much opportunity oh yeah that's yeah that's pretty sad to think about yikes and now euphoria they're saying probably won't have a next season until 2025 which means that they definitely haven't started shooting that i don't think and probably means they won't start shooting it until mid next year or something because lord knows zendaya's got quite the schedule and i'm sure it's difficult to work around that But yeah, he of course won't be in the next season. They might have to do some rewrites to work around that. Just very sad. Oh, bad news, bad news. And I mean, besides those celebrity deaths, I know other people have died that I haven't really mentioned. But yeah, I just, you know, you don't always want to focus on that, but sometimes you got to uh, recognize the greats when they leave us. So yeah, RIP to all of these people. You will be missed. Okay, and then, with the darkness and the death, there always comes light and birth. And with that is Lindsay Lohan's first child. I don't know how I haven't talked about this yet, because this happened weeks ago, and obviously Lindsay is my everything, so this was definitely a standout moment in my life. Of course it was a standout moment in her life as well. But yeah, so she got married to this husband called Bader Shamas, who we don't know much about, but they've been very low-key and kind of secretive about their relationship, which I respect, you know. Lindsay had her moment of being explicitly in the spotlight for a little over a decade, and I feel like you can't sustain that forever, nor does it seem that she wanted to. So it only makes sense that she's living, you know, especially her private life, very private now. And yeah, so they got married like a year ago, a little over a year ago, and now welcoming their first baby boy. His name is Luai, which means shield or protector in Arabic. It's interesting to me, like this whole Arabic shtick that Lindsay has, like she moved to Dubai, of course. She's lived there for years I remember there was like these photos of her a long time ago i think it was even before she moved to dubai of her like holding the quran quran don't know like maybe i should look up how to pronounce these things but that's yeah Say la vie so she was already getting into that so i don't know i guess she's just always had a strong interest in that culture and now especially does living there for years so she's really accustomed to it And yeah, that is what she named her baby. I really hope that the baby's official name is Luai Lohan, because that's pretty major and iconic. But knowing tradition, it's probably Luai Shamas. Which, by the way, a friend of mine has brought up a very good point in that the tradition of women not only always taking uh, their husband's name, but also the child always taking the father's name is kind of bizarre and fucked up and backwards like of course when a couple gets married nowadays it's more you know it's not exactly how it always used to be but the woman does typically take their husband's last name now people are doing some hyphens that's still kind of rare whatever like i don't think that's more of uh you know each individual woman's choice what they want to do if you will and uh I feel like a lot of women like to take their husband's name because that's uniting them and it's becoming one name as a family. And the husband, of course, could take the woman's name, especially if it sounds better. But I haven't heard of anyone doing that, really. But that would be a fun reversal for somebody to try. But aside from that, that doesn't really matter. What's strange and kind of backwards, like I had said, is how when a baby is born, they always take the father's name. Especially if the couple is married, but sometimes I think even if they're not married, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, yeah, like, because not only is the woman the one birthing the baby, but, like, I mean, that is the reason. She's the one birthing the baby. Like, shouldn't that baby have her name? Like, I don't know. It's just, like, odd to me. Like, they're doing all the work they're giving birth like what the fuck like it's a last name like the baby should have the woman's last name so yeah my friend was just talking about how that would only make sense and she's not even uh saying she doesn't have a kid yet but they're she's getting married to her fiance and she wasn't even saying that he necessarily has to take her name or that the baby has to take only her name when they do have kids but her big point is like it should be equal there should be a hyphen or it should just be more of a discussion of which name the woman's going to take, if the man's going to take the woman's last name, and if they have kids, what the baby's name is going to be. It's just interesting how tradition has kind of, uh, you know, stood as it always has, and that's kind of just the standard, and I just feel like it should be more of a discussion, you know, like, what's the baby's last name going to be? You know, I mean, flip a coin, I don't I don't care. But like, it's just kind of odd how it's just always like that. Maybe people are just lazy and they don't wanna mix it up or confuse people. I don't know, maybe I'm just totally ignorant and stupid and there's way more reasons as to why it is this way, but I don't think it needs to be. I think we can move on from that. Anyway, I hope that Lindsay's baby's name is Louie Lohan. It's probably not, I didn't fact check that, but fingers crossed that it is. Oh, and since having that baby, or even before having the baby, Lindsay's become the brand deal queen on her Instagram. Her Instagram has shifted way more into, like, a lifestyle vibe, like a lifestyle influencer vibe, and I love that. It's just, like, a lot more curated than it used to be. Like, her Instagram could get kind of chaotic at times in the past, like, five years, but now it's very aesthetically pleasing and streamlined and cute. And, yeah, so she has three that I'm aware of. So she did... Nestig Baby, which is a home decor, and there were some just fabulous photos of her in this like white, like one-arm, one-shoulder, uh kind of like Grecian white dress, just like looking great in this adorable baby boy room. I wonder if that is the actual room of hers, because I think it's advertised that it is, but who knows if that's really her nursery. But yeah, those are pretty chic. And then she did something just today called Freedom Mom. I'm not sure what that is exactly, even after I looked at their Instagram. I think it's just, like, a platform for women to, like, share stories and read stories and, like, learn about, like, uh, the struggles that can come with motherhood, especially, like, uh, just having given birth. And also, like, maybe there's some, like, tips and tricks as to what you can do to make things easier, I don't know. One thing that stood out to me, there was something on their stories called The Vag Diaries, which I clicked on and tried to follow. Granted, I didn't give it much time or focus, but I couldn't really figure out what it was. I think it's, like, a woman—I saw her, like, talking about an epidural. I think maybe she's talking about, like, the story of her labor, going into labor with her baby, and they just called it The Vag Diaries. Just, like, a funny name that stood out to me. But, yeah, Freedom Mom— don't know what that is but Lindsay's an ambassador for them so great like moms unite i guess and then i guess this one doesn't really have to do with motherhood but she was pregnant when she did the photo shoot for mcm collabing with crocs which is just so interesting it's so fascinating to me the impact that crocs has had as a brand like because I don't know, I just, like, there's, there's really, it's one of those things, there's really two types of people in the world. There are people that love Crocs and people that hate Crocs, and I really haven't seen people very much on the in-between because I hate them, and I have always hated them, and I especially hated them when they first came out, and I feel like a lot of girls in my middle school, like, wore them to be, like, quirky and unique. It was kind of like the Zoe Deschanel of shoes at the time, and they were just stupid. Like, they're not, they don't really go with anything. And, like, sure, you can say that they're comfortable, but, like, are they any more comfortable than flip-flops? I doubt it, you know? I don't know. It's just weird. Or, like, slides. Just, like, drawing on some Adidas slides. I don't know. I just feel like anyone that's wearing Crocs is, like, clearly trying to make a statement. It's, like, a statement of, like, rebellion. Like, oh, you think these are ugly? Well, I'm fucking wearing them. And it's just, like, ugh. But, I mean, I've got to give them props for how they've somehow like uh, weaseled their way into high fashion now on like numerous occasions like I don't know if I would consider MCM high fashion but it's definitely a luxury brand with you know really good quality bags and uh, high price items so collabing with them is definitely a thing and of course they've collabed with Balenciaga before those like platform Crocs and everything are those officially Crocs though or is it just Balenciaga's take on Crocs? I feel like it has to be a collab, otherwise Crocs would have probably sued them. But, yeah, definitely have seen them for years now. They're not going away. And I wouldn't say I was disappointed in Lindsay at all for doing this collab because the photos are pretty great, but just definitely a strange match. When I imagine Lindsay, she's usually kind of always in heels. Part of the reason why I've always loved her is, like, she'd bust out the heels, like, nightly, it seemed, or daily, just, like, in any paparazzi photo you look of her from like 2006 to 2016 honestly she's kind of always in heels like she did wear flats sometimes but like she was just walking a mile in those Louboutins up and down this damn city you know all over Los Angeles and to court oh god the courtroom looks I should honestly do a whole podcast episode just on Lindsay's courtroom fashion because that was just a fashion show for the ages that will stand the test of time, if you ask me. Just absolutely fabulous. Okay, yeah, so those are Lindsay's baby collabs that she's done, so, like, get that coin, sis. Pay for that baby, hun, because having a baby is fucking expensive. Like, what's funny to me now is, as a gay man, people are like, do you think you'll ever have kids? And sometimes, like, I mean, I don't really, uh, you know, knock them for not- thinking a little harder about this but like in order for a gay man to have a child it is quite an effort either you have to adopt which I've heard I mean I've never looked into it in the slightest bit but there's wait lists for years you have to make I think like some crazy dollar amount certainly over six figures I think like over 200k which is the irony in that and how like that's required to adopt a kid but any like Susie cream cheese and like Joe Schmo can like go out and get knocked up any day of the week like it's just silly but yeah so it's very expensive or you have to be worth a lot and have a high salary and be on a wait list to even maybe adopt a child and then there's that or the alternative is to get a surrogate which would also cost hundreds of thousands of dollars and I feel like you'd have to get approved for that and the process of the egg and the embryo and all that shit can be drawn out because there can be a lot of failures and whatever like stupid I don't really know what I'm talking about with that but honestly if you want to know more about that just watch the Kardashians it is an effort to have a surrogate so it's it's not easy so yeah having kids how did I even start talking about this I don't know. Oh, just having babies. Yeah, I mean, because if I even wanted a baby, I probably wouldn't be able to get one for, like, a decade. And that's if I wanted to get started, like, right now. (sighs) So, yeah, it's just not always in the cards for gay men. And that's fine. But uh, congrats, Lindsay. Really, I really hope that her son is gay. Because having her having a gay son, he would really appreciate the icon that she is. And that would probably be best case scenario for her because I feel like having a little girl, like they could either be best friends or sworn enemies and the daughter could like hate Lindsay or a straight man could be like, oh, like stressed out by like the fame of his mother and that like she's hot and was like a, you know, pop culture icon, a sex icon, just like one of the biggest icons of any millennial's life. Yeah, I feel like a straight man wouldn't handle that well whereas like a gay boy would be like, okay. You know, loving it. But, uh, I don't know. I feel like Pamela Anderson's kids are both straight as far as I know. And they seem to be handling her pretty well. And I feel like it's kind of, there's kind of some parallels there. Maybe there isn't really. It's just in my mind there is because I love both of those women. Oh, okay. What else with Lindsay? Yeah. There's that other Netflix movie she has coming out called Irish Wish. Um, Hopefully it's coming up by the end of the year. Maybe another... I know it's not a Christmas film, but maybe it'll be like another holiday treat for us to tune into when holiday season rolls around because that was really fun last year when she did her Christmas movie, Falling for Christmas. You know, it was basically a Hallmark film, but it's just always good to see our girl on film. We love it. I loved it, and I hope to see it more and more again. I wonder if she'll... uh, continue on with acting now that she's a mother or if this will like fully change her honestly respect whatever decision she makes queen icon love you Lindsay. all right moving on to some other news that was a bit surprising for a few reasons ariana grande and her new ugly boyfriend um i know it's a little harsh to say but like the internet's saying it so i might as well agree because it's true like he's not cute another weird comparison he kind of looks like her brother Frankie Grande like just like a like multiverse alternate version of Frankie Grande because he's like gingery with like red hair and freckles and obviously her brother is not but bone structure teeth like facial expressions they do seem quite similar so it's a little bit eerie when you see a side by side of those two right but um Yeah, the reasons this was confusing to me were not only because I feel she's way out of his league, but also it didn't occur to me that Ariana Grande is already married or already was married. I somehow missed that, maybe because it would happen like during the thick of of the pandemic or whatever. But yeah, I didn't really realize she was married to somebody named Dalton Gomez. And uh, they are now divorced or in the process of getting divorced. And Ethan Slater, her new ugly boyfriend was also married, but he is also separated and in the process of getting a divorce from his wife named, what was her name? Lily, I believe. Yeah, Lily J is his soon-to-be ex-wife. And his separation and their being a couple, Ariana and Ethan, that is, both happened within, like, a week's time of each other. So, I mean, a little sus, but, like not going to come after them for cheating or anything like that. If anything, I'm just kind of confused as to, like, why this is happening. Like, why is she dating this person? Of course, or maybe others don't know this, but they worked together or are still working together um, on the movie Wicked that has been halted because of the strikes happening with SAG and everything and the writer's strike. But, uh, yeah, I haven't really talked about that yet either. But uh, it's just... I would need to do a ton of research that I don't feel like doing, but yeah, the strike is happening, it'll probably be happening for months, so their production of Wicked has been halted, but that's where they met, and yeah, who knows, who knows how long this relationship will last, but uh, it just got me thinking of, I was like, wait, Ariana Grande's kind of dated a lot, and just like been with a lot of guys, and I feel like it hasn't been that big of a window of time, she just like always finds a man. So it got me looking down her dating history, and there's even more before this one I'm starting with, but I didn't, because it was just like too far behind, kind of like pre-fame for her, but I remember like when she started really blowing up, she was with Big Sean, and then she was dating a guy, Ricky Alvarez, and then she dated Mac Miller, which I totally forgot about, but yeah, that was a thing. And then, of course, she was with Pete Davidson, and they were actually engaged, and I feel like... Pete Davidson had already dated a ton of other girls at this point and other famous girls, but no one quite as famous and, you know, in the spotlight as Ariana. So that, I feel like, really was huge for him and kind of when people started recognizing him as, like, the, like, pale womanizer that everyone was like, what is his secret? Like, the dick must be huge. And I don't—has anyone confirmed that? Like, have we seen a picture of Pete Davidson's dick? If so, please send it to me because I missed it. And— that's got to be what everyone's in agreement with, I feel like, is the general consensus on the internet is like, oh, he has a huge dick. I feel like, was Pete Davidson kind of what got big dick energy going too? Like, I'm sure that was a phrase invented before him, but I feel like that, when that was like, what, like 2018, 2019, when he was dating Ariana, was really when that happened. Did Pete Davidson invent big dick energy? Maybe whatever after they broke off their engagement Ariana was dating Mikey Foster I think that was short-lived because then Dalton Gomez during the pandemic or right before is when they met they were dating through it and then they got married at some point and I don't know really know who Dalton Gomez is don't really know what he does don't really care especially now that they're already getting divorced so that's that Ariana is dating her brother or this like red-headed freckle version of her brother who I've been seeing clips of uh he was in Spongebob on Broadway which is just so cringe and like I don't know because is it a children's production I guess it is but like if it's on Broadway more than just children are seeing it I'd assume but I don't know I saw clips and it was pretty brutal and but then the other thing that kind of hit hard, I was like, oh, is this me? Like, I'm kind of Spongebob. Whatever. Yeah, so uh, we'll see how long that relationship lasts. Okay. Woo! Now, here we go again. And just like that. It's just a lot. It's a lot. And honestly, I mean, I vent about it plenty in the real world and with friends. But it's kind of nice here to just, like get out my trauma. This is almost like a therapy session for me, just like speaking to no one into this podcast. Hopefully people can listen and relate, you know, just like when other people share their trauma. That's the point, right? For people to listen and it could possibly help someone else. So this week when it comes in just like that, it's been a few episodes. I don't want to recap all of them. It's brutal. I don't know if anyone wants to relive all of them. I can't even keep it straight. All I know is that like, some of the recent episodes were really bad. I think I left off on episode five, I believe. and Has there been three episodes since? I don't even know. But, um, oh yeah, like, some of them were worse than others, but none of them were good. None of them were great, guys. And I think we can all agree with that. And, like, I just, this week is going to be more about me breaking down what is so stressful and what I have a problem with and then just like that. And, yeah, and let me just, I wonder if anyone agrees with me. I feel like people will, and I just need to lay it all out there, so here we go. Okay, the biggest thing that I have a problem with and that I can't wrap my head around is that it is very apparent to me that this show and Just Like That is for some reason trying to apologize or kind of reinvent and like retell a story it's trying to apologize for sex in the city and twist the narrative into something completely different and I don't know why the fuck they did that because here's the thing this whole trending topic uh that I don't even know when it came about of just like sex in the city being problematic I think people started talking about that when and just like that was announced like before it came out but uh My hot take, if it's even a hot take, is that Sex and the City was not problematic. And it was actually very ahead of its time and very, dare I say, woke for its time because it came out in the late 90s and was extremely popular from the start through the early 2000s with an all-female cast. That in itself was progressive for the time. To put an all-female cast for, you know, HBO to put all their cards in a show. There weren't many shows on HBO at that time. It was literally, like, Sex and the City and The Sopranos. Those were, like, what they started out with in, uh, you know, scripted HBO shows. So they were kind of taking a chance, you know, in the eyes of producers back then because there just weren't uh, all-female shows. So that in itself was ahead of its time. And not only that, but it was a focus on women in their 30s who weren't married. Another progressive uh, story to be told at that time. And uh, because back then, you know, if anyone's seen my best friend's wedding, Julia Roberts and Dermot Moroni made a pact that they were going to get married by 27. Because, oh, if they weren't married by 27, they better marry each other. So that was, that movie came out, you know, uh, at the same time as Sex in the City, so with that standard being set, women not being married in their 30s was outrageous. So that was very woke, uh, if I must say. And then not only were some of the characters unsure of marriage, but they weren't even sure if they wanted kids. Literally all of the main ladies except Charlotte weren't sure if they wanted kids. And then they had multiple gay characters throughout the show, starting in the pilot with Stanford, and he was in it throughout, obviously not every episode, but until the series ended. And then uh, Mario Cantone, Anthony came in pretty I th- through, uh, She he first came in at Charlotte's first marriage, which I think is season three. So yeah, like multiple gay characters, multiple gay storylines, obviously lesbian, lesbian <laughs> obviously Samantha was a lesbian for a short period of time, and in the earlier episodes, Charlotte didn't become a lesbian or try out lesbianism but she did hang out with a bunch of lesbians in the art world which i think was already you know just including lesbians in the narrative was progressive at the time and it just the entire show uh sex in the city the original really just reinvented the modern woman and was a story that hadn't been told yet and basically it was the messaging was like oh you can be fabulous and not married uh you know, having great sex, wearing amazing clothes, kind of just like doing all these fabulous things in New York and breaking the mold. And you didn't have to be some cookie cutter version of a woman that was being told pretty often uh, in film and television up until that point. So, I mean, that point in itself, it just, knowing that makes me angry that people were to think like, oh, it was so unwoke, basically just because it wasn't diverse, which by the way, they recognized that during filming and then uh, added a few, you know, people of color into the show throughout. Miranda dated uh, Robert, the uh, Blair Underwood, who played the doctor. And yeah, there's there was other storylines. There weren't a lot of them, yes, but they were included. So I don't know. I just think it's extremely unfair to say that it wasn't progressive, it wasn't woke. And I think it's preposterous to say that anyone would need to apologize for that show and what the everything that it's made up of it's just just mind-boggling to me but that being said sjp cynthia nixon and michael patrick king definitely it feels as though they are in that boat of believing that there is an apology to be made for some reason or i don't know if they think of it as an as an apology or they just think like oh that show was really, you know, like they're embarrassed with how unwoke it was or something, which is why they're pushing the extreme woke narrative in and just like that. But really, and like the girls that really go into detail of recapping and just like that in Sex in the City, the Every Outfit podcast girls, shout out to them again, love them. But they talk about this uh, concept that if you push an idea too far, it ends up Doing the opposite of what you want it to. So, all of this wokeness that they're pushing so hard just comes across as disingenuous and not realistic and not relatable, which makes us all reject it. And I hate that. And it's just, it's such a problem. So, no, I do not think there is anything to apologize for on behalf of Sex in the City. But apparently, Sarah Jessica Parker, Cynthia Nixon, and Michael Patrick Thing think there is things to apologize for, which I don't agree with. So, that's my major big problem with within just like that oh okay more more problems another problem we need carrie's narration like this new format of and just like that I haven't gotten used to it. Even after the entire first season, and now we're well into the second season, I'm still not used to not having Carrie's narrations. I know she does her little bullshit and just like that at the end of every episode, but it's just not enough. Like, we need Carrie to guide us through the lives of these wacky women and their nonsensical lives. Like, And her narrations really added to the humor of it all and just, like, made it really a lot cuter, and everything was just kind of wrapped up in a little bow back when Carrie's narrations, because not only was it her narrations, but it was technically her reading aloud her sex column uh, that she was writing throughout each episode, where we don't have any element of that, which they could have included with the podcast, but then they just totally dropped that after, like, the first or second episode of this season, She's just like, what? Like, Carrie doing a podcast is a modernized version of writing a weekly column. So, like, why didn't they just stick with that? Like, it can be a new show, but you can still keep that element of her narrating things and guiding us through these women's lives. I just really wish they kept that. And speaking of these women's lives, there's way too many new main characters. It is completely absurd. There's this genius meme on Twitter about, like, each original lead girl having their own like emotional support woman of color lead girl and it's just funny because each new lead person is a woman of color which is fine but it just seems too like too try hard again and like did you really have to do that it's not doing what you think it's doing it's actually doing the opposite And yeah, because there's so many new characters and they try to focus, like, major storylines and plot points on these new main characters, it's just spread too thin. And it leaves the original girls that we care about, like, secondary. And it feels as though, like, we're barely seeing any of them. And we haven't seen much of them. And we especially haven't seen much of them together, which was another huge part of the original series, which, like, there were so many, like, lunch scenes or them being like getting drinks or walk and talks and it was just like so dialogue focused of just the women kind of like doing these they weren't doing too much they were just either like kind of like sitting or walking but it really just honed in on each character very specifically and they didn't really branch out uh too much which i appreciated because it really got you uh you know invested in the lead girl characters and you really cared about everyone and you everyone just related to a specific girl like everyone is like either like I see myself as a Samantha Miranda hybrid you know or some people see the girls as like astrological signs that they all identify with like someone has a you know a Charlotte rising or you know something of that nature and there's just too many people to have that with now like I can't care about anyone because there's just too much going on and there's too many new people and it's just I don't know, the execution of everything just feels so messy and uh, I just, I don't know. And it's like, here's my other thing I got to thinking. If you're going to introduce this many new women, they might as well have just done a full reboot and maybe do like cameos of SJP and the original girls or something, but have the major focus beyond like a new wave of Sex and the City girls or something. I don't know. It's just like the choice that they've made into essentially have what is it like seven main characters like that's just unheard of and it's unheard of for a reason because it's just impossible oh yeah have a problem with that um oh do you hear my kitty meowing i just got a new cat her name is pearl if you've seen on my instagram she's very cute she's a little uh, blue point persian Oh, I love her. But yeah, she's meowing right now. Anyway, back to And Just Like That. What else is annoying about this show that pisses me off? Oh, the way this show is shot. And like this, I mean, I guess I can't really dog on them for this too much because it's just, you know, the advancement and trends of filmmaking and cinematography. But I really just don't like the cinematography And the way this show is shot, it just, again, feels very unfamiliar to the original, not only the series, but the films, the color grading is different. It's all just a little too, like, raw looking, like, it kind of has the same cinematography as the show Girls, which, like, with that show, it was fine, because it was, like, a new show, but I don't know, it just feels like we're taking it down a notch with this, uh, the filters and just everything, the way that this is shot, and... The finish of it just I don't know it doesn't look like the original series and I don't like it it just like it just doesn't look as like clean and fun and aspirational as the original show did and the films even so yeah don't like c- the cinematography and the writing the writing you guys I just it's brutal it's testing me like the writing on the original Sex and the City was genius. All of the jokes were very, like, they hit beats. There was, like, a rhythm to the way these girls talked. So it was, like, dun-dun, dun-dun, kind of, like, it was different, but in the same uh, vein of, like, Gilmore Girls. How, like, the way they talked and the, the chemistry they had and the way they bounced off each other with their banter was just brilliant. And it was so satisfying to watch. And, and just, like, that could not even come close to that. Like, It is so far away from having any kind of, like, satisfying balance and rhythm to it. It's just, it's so uneasy. It just makes me sick. I can't. It's, like, seasickness. Like, that is what this show is. And there were so many, like, puns, especially, like, on Carrie's part and, like, in her writing when she was doing her column that have just kind of vanished and then just like that. And... uh, the one-liners like there were so many catchy one-liners that especially samantha had but really any character had like i know probably all of them did if i really thought about it but uh there's really nothing we want to quote from and just like that like is there other than hey it's che diaz which like ugh i just can't even talk about che diaz anymore i've like talked about some, i've been blue in the face and it's just i'm sick i'm sick of it But yeah, no one wants to quote him just like that. And if they are quoting it, it's for something cringe. It's not because it's actually funny. Oh, just awful. So yeah, I don't know where the fuck this show is going to go. Like, it's such a mess. I cannot believe the mess that has been made. I really can't think... I've tried to think of a comparison of, like, a piece of IP or a reboot or anything that existed in the past that they've tried to bring back and it's been, like, such a disaster. Like... I can't even think of anything, like of course that's happened of reboots not working and it not landing with fans and it being nostalgic but not the same. That's happened but I can't compare, there's nothing that compares to the Sex and the City to and just like that jump. Like, there. This has never been done. Like a disaster, a train crash has never occurred in this fashion. It's just wild. Wild. But, of course, I'll keep watching it. Hell, if there's ten more seasons of this, you know I'll see every goddamn episode and still complain about every episode. But the thing that's sad, and honestly, even after the first season, I don't know if there was any turning the show around, but there's definitely no turning it around now. It's not like we're just going to magically think, like, by the finale of this season or if it comes back for a third season, like, oh, this is great. Like, it's too late for that. What's done is done. Like, it's dead, but... Oh, yeah, so I guess we're just waiting for Samantha's cameo. Won't be able to promote it because of the strike, but wow. Okay, yeah, that's all I have for this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you guys, it wasn't too depressing with recapping those celebrity deaths in the beginning. Congrats, Lindsay, on your new baby. We hope he's a fabulous little gay boy that will, you know, hit the clubs like you used to maybe not hit the clubs that hard but like you know what I mean oh and then just like that yeah so I didn't recap specific episodes this weekend but I will recap the finale I just feel like it's like beating a dead horse at this point like do you really want to relive all of these heinous horrendous episodes I don't know but whatever okay that's it love you guys bye Mm -hmm.